What's up everybody? Good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning Water's Edge online worship experience. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This past Thursday we had food pantry. It was a big success. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your love. You've allowed us to help and feed so many people in this community. What an awesome church. We absolutely love you all. Continue sharing these links with other people that you may know if you think it would help them out. There's a lot of helpful content. And today we start a brand new study, and I really think you're going to love this. I really think this is going to be very helpful for us in our daily lives because today we begin a brand new study about this. It's about mean people in our life and what in the world do we do about them. I studied this information from one of my favorite authors and one of my favorite pastors, Andy Stanley, and it made such an impact on me that I thought I'd share it with you. Have you ever heard someone say something like this? He or she, they're not a bad person. They just do bad things sometimes. Well, ultimately, that's a bad person. Or have you ever heard someone say, I'm not a mean person, but sometimes I say and sometimes I react and sometimes I do things that are mean. Sometimes I say things that I don't mean to say, which we know that's not true. Sometimes people say things they don't mean to say out loud, but they did mean them in their heart. And so they'll say something like, I'm not really a mean person. Sometimes I just do or say mean things because in my personal life I'm going through this or I'm going through that. But what that does mean, ultimately, if you do mean things and you say mean things and you react in mean ways, then you are a mean person. And this is what we're referring to when we talk about mean people. You know people like this. You've had people like this in your life. And sometimes you and I are like this. Sometimes we are guilty of this very thing. People who are unpleasant. People who are deceptive. People who will lie and cover things up. People who are controlling. People who are users. Selfish and unkind. When you see them coming, when you see them calling, many times you want to avoid them at all costs because they're mean. This isn't to say that we're not like this sometimes. But... As Jesus followers, we have to agree that one of the main parts of our calling is to treat everybody we come in contact with in love and to not be mean to people. But the reason we need to talk about this is because we're always going to have people in our lives who treat us this way. We're always going to deal with people in our lives that are mean to us. And then you have to understand this and remember this today. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. We have to be prepared. And this is why the mean people in our lives gain a measure of control over our lives. And then before you and I know it, we start to act and react in the same ways that they do. Mean, out of our character. And it feels like in the moment we have no choice because they have this measure of control over us because of what they're putting us through. In fact, someone, if they were to hear your story and how you reacted, they would probably even say, man, you really had no choice and you, we wouldn't blame you whatsoever. And many times the reason is, is because we feel like we just don't have a choice but to react to them in the ways that they've treated us. And it's because of this. Notice this this morning. Mean people always keep you and I off balance. And, we, and this is what we mean by that. When we don't know what we're walking into with them, and many times we don't, and when we don't know how to respond most of the time because we're off balance. And that causes us, it forces us to compensate in our life. And this is what I mean by compensate. It means that you and I become less and less of ourself. And people are even going to tell you, you're not yourself when you're around that person. You're not yourself when you're with that person. Why? Because we're forced to compensate in our life. 
It's like if your leg is hurt or your knee is injured and you have to balance on your other leg, you're compensating, you're off balance. Well, many times when we have mean people in our life, if we're not prepared and if we're not ready to deal with them the way Jesus would, then we're always going to be forced to compensate in our life and it's always going to throw us off balance. And what that means is this, you and I are going to become like the people that we dislike. You and I are going to become like the people that are hurting us. Our, our initial response is to somehow retaliate or act just like them. It's difficult to be good to people who are mean. And it's difficult to be kind to people who are not good to you. Now in the Bible, we've all heard about the golden rule and this is what it is. And really we should all try to live this way because this is the Jesus way. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But let me ask you this. What happens when you run into people who don't live this way? What happens when you run into people who are mean and they don't live this way to where they do unto others as they would have them do unto them? They don't. They just do what they want to do. What do you do then? Many times, this is what happens. It throws us off balance. And then this is how we live. Do unto others as they have done unto you. So the golden rule is this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But many times, if we don't respond in the Jesus way and the right way, we'll start to follow the iron rule. And the iron rule is do unto others as they have done unto you. Not only does this feel right, and not only does this feel natural to treat others how they've treated us, but also in the moment, it seems good to do. It seems right to do and natural to do. But maybe this is a part of your story. Maybe you've had to deal with this before with a friend or a coworker or a neighbor, maybe even in your first marriage. When we're mistreated in a relationship, we feel powerless to do anything about it. Again, we're off balance and we're being forced to compensate and sometimes we start to take it out on other people. And this is why, remember this, if you're still with me, I'm still with you. I'll take it out on you because somehow I can't take it out on them. It's too controlled. It's too controlled of a, of a relationship. There's too much manipulation going on. So if you feel like you can't take it out on the people that are mean to you and hurt you, then you start to take it out on other people. And then we end up this way. And notice this, do unto others as someone else has done unto you. If you're not careful, if you're not prepared, the way you react to mean people in your life, it's going to form you into a certain type of person. And it's the type of person that you're not going to like. You're going to become like the people that hurt you. If you're not careful, if you're not ready, if you're not prepared, you're going to start to do unto others as they have done unto you. And you're going to start to do unto others as someone else has done unto you. And that's why we have to be prepared because around and around and around it goes. So what do we do in our life about mean people? Well, always keep this in mind this morning. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. Getting even makes us similar to the people that we don't even like. Getting even makes us like the people that we don't like. Getting even makes us like the people that we dislike. It turns you into the person that you despise. So what's a better option? And it's this option that decreases their power over us. And it's a better option that will guard and protect our hearts. And this option will always tell a better story for your life. And we always want our life to tell a different and a better story. Now, this, this option is obviously modeled by Jesus Christ. But we also see something play out in the Old Testament. There's a character in the Old Testament. And this character is relatively unknown. And he crosses paths with King David. And at this time in King David's life, he's not a king yet. He's a fugitive. A little background. 
After David kills Goliath, the giant, he becomes this national warrior. He becomes this national hero. And some obscure prophet goes to David and anoints David to be the next king of Israel. Well, the king at the time was King Saul. He hears about this. It throws him into a rage because he doesn't want to lose his throne. And he doesn't want his children to lose their throne to David and David's offspring. And so he is hunting David. He is going after David. He is trying to kill David. So now David is on the run and he's a fugitive in the wilderness. And as he's a fugitive on the run, David starts to meet these misfits who are also angry, these really strong men, these old misfit soldiers, and they've all been hurt, they've all been rejected, and they're all extremely violent. And so he puts together this misfit army of about 600 people that are just really rough characters. At this time, King Saul is untouchable. David cannot get to him. King Saul is who's being mean to David. King Saul is who's hurting David. King Saul is who is hunting David. But David's not able to get to him, so notice what David does and notice who else he takes it out on. We pick up today in 1 Samuel chapter 25, starting in verse 2. You're still with me, Sam, still with you. A very interesting story. There was a wealthy man from a place called Moan who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep shearing time. That meant that he was about to collect his money, and he was going to make a lot of money. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife was Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all of his dealings. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men. They will tell you that this is true. So would you be so kind to us, since we've come at a time of celebration, please share any provisions that you might have on hand with us and with your friend David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. And this is what it was. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? Which means he obviously knew who he was. There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So, God, so David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your swords, was David's reply. And he strapped on his own sword, very key. Then 400 men started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Now notice this, David strapped on his own sword too. The question is, where did he get that sword? He got that sword when he was a little boy when he killed the giant Goliath. And that sword should have always been a reminder to trust in God. God is who does this. God is who's strong for us. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. It's Christ that lives in me. He should have known that this sword he had since he was a little boy, after God giving him the strength to kill the giant, was a reminder to trust God, but he forgot. At this time, David had become a violent, violent, angry man. He can't see that truth past his anger, and ultimately, he's going to take his anger out on others because he's hurt, and he's angry at King Saul, at someone else. In verse 13, he said, gather up 400 men. What an epic overreaction. I mean, his emotions are just leading him. So remember this today. If you're still with me, so I'm still with you. Hurting people usually hurt other people. And in this case, a hunted person 
becomes someone who starts to hunt people. And notice what he's doing in 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 21. David had just been saying, a lot of good it did to help us with this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen, but he has repaid me evil for good. This is what David's doing right now. He's building up a case in his mind and in his heart to justify doing something wrong. Have you ever done that? Have you ever started to build up a case in your mind to justify giving in to the wrong opportunity and the wrong temptation or to hurt someone or to betray someone? Have you ever done that? Well, I'm doing this because of that. I'm going to do this because of this. They said this. They put me through that. This is what David's doing right now. He's building up a case in his mind and in his heart to find a reason and a justification to do something that's bad and wrong and evil. There's two characters in this story and absolutely no hero. So today, this morning, I want to give you some filters, some questions, four questions to filter your life through and what's going on in your life right now with mean people. Remember these questions because these questions can always put you back into balance. Teach your children these questions because we want our children to be prepared because there will come a time and a day when they come in contact with people who are users, liars, deceivers, mean, mean people, and you want them to be prepared. They will always throw us off balance in our emotions and our reactions. And if we're not careful, we'll start to go back good for evil, evil for evil, evil for evil, and over and over and over again. And when you live evil for evil, it'll always put you in prison. So here's the first question. Number one, do you want to be even with someone that you don't even like? Do you want to get even with someone that you dislike? You don't want to be like them? No, but that's usually our natural response. Evil for evil usually just becomes evil for evil for evil for evil. And when we do this, we end up becoming just like the people that we dislike. So do you really want to become like the people that you dislike? Of course not. The second question is this. Wouldn't you rather be ahead? Do you want to get even with someone or do you want to get ahead? Man, that's a powerful question. Because the natural response is in the moment to get even, it'll feel better. But the hard work is by faith to get ahead. Do you want to be different from those people that are always mean? In a relationship, you actually pull ahead by refusing to get even. Now it's their character that's in question, not yours. Now it's their values that's in question, not yours. Now it's their integrity. Now it's their heart that's in question, not yours. You can get even or you can get ahead. I'd rather get ahead. Number three, what story do you want to tell? Let me tell you a predictable story. Evil for evil. Revenge. They're mean to me. I can't help it. It's just my natural reaction. I'm going to be mean to them. That's a very simple, predictable story. What story do you want your life to tell? Do you want to tell the story of getting them back, getting revenge, getting even with them? Normal, expected, very weak, very predictable. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather my life tell a remarkable story, even if on earth it doesn't feel like it pays off. Now, the fourth question is the on-ramp to the solution and pulling ahead. The fourth question gives us the model of Jesus Christ. This is what it is. Number four, if you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you. What would it look like to return good for evil? What would that really look like? And not just refuse to be mean back to them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about where you have self-control enough just to refuse to get them back or just to refuse to be mean. But what would it look like if someone hurts you, they were mean to you, and you returned goodness to them? In the words of Jesus, do good to those who mistreat you. Matthew 5, 43 through 46. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Natural, weak, predictable. 
But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and to good, and he sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. This is what ultimately frees us. And they may never see it. They may never appreciate it. They may never be moved by it. It may never impact their heart. But it will always set you free when someone hurts you or they do evil to you for you to return it to them as something good. A while back, I was talking to a friend of mine. I was just talking about different things that was going on in my life and some of the pain that I'd been through. And this is what he said to me. He goes, well, I've always believed this. He's like, you can get even or you can get ahead. And he said, I'd always rather get ahead. And it really stuck in my heart. I can get even or I can get ahead. I don't know about you, but I want to tell a remarkable story, not a predictable one. And getting even is weak and predictable. I want to do good. And that's remarkable. Let's pray. Father, today we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you for teaching us today with your word. May we follow your example and live like you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We love you. Can't wait to see you back next week.